Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Um, how many of you enjoyed Pastor Zach and Pastor Warren's message while I was gone? They did a good job. I enjoyed it. I got to log in and watch. I got to watch a little bit of Warren's. I was kind of busy with a few things, but, uh, but I got to watch it later on. And, and what a great message. Uh, both of them, just uh, their whole heart. Uh, obviously, their study and preparation to equip God's people to speak into your lives. Not just about the next steps of Gateway, but really the next steps of the kingdom. Amen. And uh, I did appreciate so much, uh, Warren. Um, I, I wanted to just say something about your message. Um, just the realness of it, talking about your life, you know. Um, <laughs> didn't expect that. 17 years plus we've been together uh, doing ministry. <laughs> Ups and downs, right? Lefts and right, just all over the place. But doing ministry together and, uh, man, we've seen some souls come to Christ over those years. Marriages restored, families restored, a lot of miracles from God. Healings, right? Financial blessings in people's lives. We've seen some, uh, some really stupid decisions people make, right? How many of you make stupid decisions once in a while? You know, you know we pastors do that too, right, from time to time? But... Uh, but we've watched God's grace at work in the midst of all of that. And then, you know, I look at uh, Zach, who's been on the team now. I think it's three years, Zach, going on three years now. What's that? You can scream it from the rooftop, brother. Four, going on four now. Um, and Zach's just been a great part of the team here. And, and just, uh, I kind of call it Zach relational glue. And uh, everybody loves Zach, right? Uh, uh, you know, here's the thing, like, uh, if I'm like, hey, you need to go discipline that sheep because they're not behaving themselves. Zach's like, oh, okay. He, he likes to just, you know, pet the sheep and feed the sheep, and, you know. <laughs> He's an encourager by gifting, right? He, he's just a gift of encouragement, and, it, and you need that in the body of Christ, amen? You know, watching Warren over the years, he's a teacher. He's going to bring the word, and he's going he's gonna to teach it well, but He's, he, he brings wise counsel. The teacher in him causes him to sit with people and just give wise counsel. I heard him talking about doing the uh, Dave Ramsey course, the um, uh, Financial Freedom University, I think. Is the school called University? Fi Financial Peace, that's what it is. Um, and has done that and so many other things and from marriage counseling to, you know, doing weddings to funerals to, to all those kind of things. So the pastoral care that he brings for the church. Um, uh, it's just a wonderful gift to, to this body. Um, Brent, having come on and, and as an executive pastor, and, and today he's been uh, all morning, he, he's been engaged in the service, but he's been trying to get the heat fixed in here. I think they've got that done finally. It was pretty cold the first service in here. And uh, sometimes things just don't work. You ever have that happen at your house? When we get here this morning, like, man, why ain't the heat working? It's one of those cold mornings, you know, so... Uh, he's working on that and making sure those things function, along with other things as well that he's doing. Um, the vets group that he's doing and, and, and serving all the others uh, in the church with whatever needs. Um, he comes in here and most of the time and makes sure that the, the sanctuary is set up and makes sure everybody's getting things cleaned up. and things. Don't you all appreciate that during COVID that the place gets cleaned up? Those kind of things. Uh, Pastor Vance... Uh, um, you know, uh, you've not got to see him a lot. He's preached a little. Uh, this uh, Friday is a worship night that he's going to be leading. Some of the other pastors will be there, but he and Rachel 
will be leading that. Uh, Pastor Jay leading the worship team. Rachel being our worship director and leading there. Brittany back in the children's ministry. And uh, Josh Ketchum over in the preteens. Along with a lot of other volunteers in all of those areas serving. Crystal Hill is kind of like Brittany's right hand in the children. How many know Crystal Hill? Uh, ser serves her heart, man, just to, to, to minister to kids and, and help the ministry here be a ministry that is life-giving in all areas. Amen. All the volunteers here at Gateway Church, when you think about before COVID, pre-COVID, we were in one service, and, and uh, we were kind of talking about because we were running uh, up into the higher part of our capacity for the building, and we'd have to go to two services. You want to know what volunteers and staff all felt about that? Hey, man, that's a lot more work. I just don't know. But then we're all locked down and can't get together because of covid and we're like, well, we can come back together, but we'll have to do two services and social distance a little bit. And, and everybody's like, whatever it takes. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. COVID worked to our benefit on that, you know, because everybody was motivated to further the kingdom of God and, and work together to do those things. And, um, man, I just got to say, in all the time I pastored, so Angie and I celebrated, you guys know, uh, past, this past June last year was our 20th year here. And in all the time I've pastored here at Gateway, we've had some wonderful, wonderful moments and seasons here at Gateway. Um, I could go back over all those, but, but uh, we, we only have so much time this morning. And so I'm just going to say we've had some wonderful times. Like I say, we've had some ups and downs. But in all the time I've pastored here, I believe that I'm leading with one of the greatest teams I've ever had. I believe that I'm pastoring one of the greatest churches in Colorado Springs. Oh, come on. Y'all... Y'all don't like yourself that much. I do. I believe that the church has amazing people in it, full of God's love, passion, and desire to, to follow after him, to be about uh, his great commission uh, in this earth. It, it, the four walls, if you will, it's not about what we have in. It's about how we impact what's outside of these four walls as a church. Amen? And uh, so in sharing all of that, I would go also back to the, can't forget the uh, sound booth back there. Those guys, man, they, they work hard, don't they? Uh, when things work well, you all love them. When things don't work well, you all turn around and look at them like, what's your problem back there, you know? It's, uh, that's the hot seat in the room. This one's not the hot seat on a Sunday. That's the hot seat because there's a lot of tech and things going on. And if it gets messed up, uh, man, it's, it's complicated for any of us to do. But I know Warren pointed out last week when we talk about uh, you know, they did the next steps and you're talking about coming into a relationship with Jesus, all those uh, steps that we take, baptism, and then, and then we want to help people find freedom and, and then discover their purpose and begin to, to recognize their gifts and, and serve in the body of Christ and to give of your time, your talent, your treasure. Be engaged in the Great Commission. Be a part of bringing about the fulfillment of the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout all the world. Amen. And so I know those things were shared with you, but I want to read to you uh, this morning out of Matthew 28, 1 through 28. Um, and I'm going to read the whole thing because I want you to get how, how much going and sending and coming here and, you know, that exchange that is going on in this passage. And they already put it up there, didn't they? Um, so Matthew 28, 1 through 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. 
And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. That means they basically fell on, under the power of God. They were, they were laid out like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And watch this right here. I want you to say go. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Now I want you to pause there for one second. I'm actually going to mark that with a pen. And I want to address something. How many know that in Christ there's neither male nor female, bond nor free, Jew nor Greek? I know I'm a man. I get that. I'm a man. You know, my wife's a woman. But in Christ... We're neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. In other words, it's not about race. It's not about uh, your gender. Come on. Uh, uh, or it's not about whether, whether let me say it this way, whether you're the boss or you're a worker. Let me say it that way, okay? You know, because they did have slaves back in that time. And you know what? Paul was declaring to them, you can follow the Lord just as much as your master's following the Lord. Your, the, the slavery is not going to hinder you from having a relationship with God. That wasn't an endorsement of slavery. It was a recognition of the culture that they lived in and that the gospel was not, it wasn't for the rich. Jesus came to the poor. Come on now. He came for those that were in need. And I want to say this, that, that in that, these ladies, these ladies, the two Marys, say two Marys. The two Marys were the first ones to preach the gospel. Did you know that? Man, that'll blow your mind. I've had... I've had uh, set with uh, scholars and we've had uh, debates and I, I'll never forget one time they're like well you shouldn't have women ever communicate or I'm like based on what well in Paul's time and you know the women should keep silent in the church and so on I'm like well somehow Jesus didn't tell these ladies to keep silent about the gospel Jesus missed the message I just want you to know he missed his own message <laughs> y'all hear me here now I get that the Bible also teaches that God is the head of man Right? Or excuse me, God's the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. What's that mean? I have headship. What is headship? Responsibility. To care for, to love, to nurture. Right? To love my wife as Christ loves the church in so much that he laid his life down for the church. That's us. That, that I'll love my wife the way Christ loves the church. That's my headship. And here's what that means. Headship. I'm over her. I'm over her as a covering. But she walks beside me. In partnership. Come on, somebody. God didn't take Angie. You know, when you look at how he created us, it's, it's a rib from Adam's side, right? He takes a rib from his side and he makes the woman to walk side by side. Not, not from the foot to be underfoot and not from the head. So there can be manipulation and control. Anyway, I'll move on. I got them both. Like men trying to dominate and women trying to manipulate. Anyway, y'all are laughing so much because you know that's kind of how it goes. Come on. All right, take that home with you. If you're married, you're in a relationship, that's, that's what you need to get, side by side. All right, let me get back on my message here. His disciples, <laughs> that he had risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going before you. He's what? He's going. Jesus is going before you into Galilee. Therefore, you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So, they went. How many of you know they went is, is the active of, being commanded to go, and then I goed, or I went. Come on now. There's a lot of going and, you know, went and come and see and take that and share and 
There's activity that's going on in here that's around the Great Commission. So they went quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. The woman, excuse me, the woman worshipped the risen Lord and as they went to tell his disciples, as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. So the guards witnessed everything that happened at the tomb of Jesus. And they go to report it to the chief priests because they, they work for them. And they're going to say, hey, uh, you know that uh, Jesus, the whole thing about crucifying him, that he'd, he, on the third day he'd raised from the dead? Well, uh, I think that happened. Well, the priests didn't like, the, uh, the, if you, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin didn't like that. And here's what happens. Uh, so now, while they were gone, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum, say large, a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. How many military people I got in here? Give me a shout. How many of you know it's not good if, if you are the guard and you fall asleep on guard? <laughs> That's not a good day for you, especially if you get caught. And so they paid them a large sum of money and told them to say that they had fallen asleep. There's not a greater disgrace for a soldier than to fall asleep on guard. You hearing me? Hmm. And if this comes to the governor's ears, in other words, the one that will punish you, you soldiers, we will appease him and make you secure. We'll look out for you. Just lie for us. You hear me? So understand, right after Jesus is crucified, buried, and resurrects from the dead, you got the spirit of Antichrist at work in the earth. The Bible says that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. What is that? He's going to be anti Jesus Christ. He's going to be anti the Christ because he's the hope of the world. He's the only way to be saved. And so to push back that message, to shut that message, to, put, to, to shut down the Great Commission, to shut down the message of the gospel so that people won't hear it and they won't be saved. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, here's the thing. Jesus said that narrow is the way to life everlasting, and few be thereon. Broad is the way to death and destruction, and many be thereon. The church's mandate, when you get right down to it, is all about helping people get off the broad road that leads to destruction. And getting them on the narrow road, which, by the way, he is. Jesus called himself. He is the narrow way. To get on that narrow road and receive eternal life that only comes through Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, this passage goes on and gives us what's known as the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority 
has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now we're going to get to baptize some folks today. We've got this baptismal. Yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, but I, I'll bring you back to uh, our series name, Next Steps. Why Next Steps? Everything that you see going on there in that passage of Scripture is really kind of, okay, and now take this step. Go here, uh, and they went. And come over here, and they go, and they go to the mountain, Jesus told me. They, and, and it gets to a point, Jesus says, go and wait in Jerusalem, Right? And they go in the upper room and until you're endued with power from on high. And the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Go and wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So he tells them to go and wait there. They do exactly what he tells They go, they wait. The, the Holy Spirit comes, they go, they witness. It's always a whatever the Lord asks me to do, I want to be willing to do, right? If he tells me to go here, I want to go. If he tells me to go there, I want to go. Can you say amen? Isaiah said it best. Here I am, Lord, send me. Remember that passage? It says, who shall we send? It's a prophetic word. It's, it's God declaring from the heavens, you know, in the, in the Elohim. Say Elohim. The plurality of God. We sang it in, in a worship song today. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Elohim. The plurality of, of who he is. He's one God, but three persons in that one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And so the declaration from the heavens is, who, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? That's the Elohim speaking. That's God in eternity speaking over into the earth. Who shall we send and who will go for us? You want to know who that was? That prophecy in Isaiah had everything to do that it would be the Son of God, Jesus Christ, that would come into the earth, right? Isaiah in that sense says, here I am, Lord, send me. But understand, he's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ saying, here I am, Lord, send me. When my Lord said to my Lord, right? If you go read in the Psalms, my Lord said to my Lord, how's that work? When Jesus said to God, the Father, when God, the Son, said to God, the Father, my Lord said to my Lord, right? When you get those things and you start to see theology for all it is, the manifestation of the Godhead in this earth is that God, the Father, omnipresent, manifests himself in human form because we are all dead in our set trespasses and sins and we need a Savior to come save us. But cannot be born, can't be born of, of corruptible seed as the Bible calls it, but has to be born of incorruptible seed. And that's why Mary, when she conceived of the Holy Spirit, it was an incorruptible seed. It was the divine presence of God manifesting what you call the immaculate conception. Come on, somebody. You know, in, in our day and age, a lot of people are trying to explain that away. And I want to tell you, if you explain the immaculate conception away, there's no Savior. Because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, righteous seed. And all of a sudden, what you have is Jesus in a skin-tight suit. Come on. He put on flesh. God put on flesh and came because he loved us so much. And what was he willing to do in that flesh? Condemn sin. How did he condemn it? 
Think about it this way. In the Garden of Eden, Lucifer, the devil, the serpent, is convincing Eve that if you eat from the tree, you'll be just like God. You'll know good from evil. The deception of that, and then Adam's outright rebellion to eat it, and they fall, and, and original sin enters, right? So, so what you have in, in that sin nature entering into the, into the world is you got Lucifer sells the bill of goods that says, hey man, you can, you can make yourself like God by doing this. Man always striving to get up and I want to be the God of my own life. I don't want anybody over me. I want to make my own decisions. It doesn't matter what somebody else thinks or says. That means we're not accountable to anyone for our actions. See, I love my wife the way Christ loved the church that will lay my life. See, how I treat her. Like Any of you men ever yelled at your wife and you shouldn't have? Any of you wives, you know, ever, you know, like... Uh, I think one of the terms that go on in marriages is kind of like, why are you nagging me? Any, any wives ever nagged your husbands? Never. Right? I wouldn't have advised the man to say all the time. Because when you get home, brother, God help you. <laughs> Y'all with me here? That basically, the nature of it, what you have is you have that sin nature at work. And it's, I want to be over. No, I want to be over. And everybody's striving to be over and the reality is, is that it's all because in the garden they chose not to have God over. Not to have him be over them to protect and to, to guard. Well, when Jesus comes, what he does is he restores for us that choice that we can come under God again. Because it was a bill of goods, it was a lie that the, that the devil sold. And the reality is, is the only way that, it, that victory could ever be won again for us was if someone would pay the price. Now think about it this way. I want to get up and be God or be above God. Same attitude the devil had. I'll rise above the mount of the congregation. I'll sit on the most high and God brings Lucifer down to the earth and casts him out of heaven. So, so he sells the bill of goods to mankind. Mankind gets it. And what happens is, is God goes, look, here's what I'm going to do. You all been trying to get up over me and you, somehow you think that I'm trying to get over on you and I'm I'm not doing this for your best interest, so let me go ahead and do this. I will come down to the lowest place so I can lift you up. I will humble myself and become your servant, even to the point of death. Not just any death, but death on a cross. As the scriptures say, cursed is every man that hangs on a tree. That when you understand God himself in human form goes, I'm going to come as low as as low is because I'm going to take the sins of the world. For anyone that it would accept it, your sins are forgiven if you'll recognize my sacrifice for you that I came to serve you. God brings himself under us so that he can lift us up. Now understand, he didn't stay there. He died on the cross, took the sins of the world, buried in the grave, but on the third day when he resurrected, things we're reading about, when he resurrected from the dead, guess what happened? Um, yeah, I might come low and serve you, but I'm going to rise back to the place. That's why the Bible says that God has given Jesus a name that's above every other name. The, the name of Jesus. Men must be saved. And no other name given under heaven whereby men must or women must be saved. Amen. So I'm going to kind of click on why next steps. You see these people taking next steps. So we have, uh, in that sense, we kind of communicated about it in a systematic structured way and we have things that we do to, to see that facilitated like 
your relationships, your life groups, you know, giving your life to Christ, being baptized in water. These are steps we take, but they're steps they were taking. It's the same steps they were taking. We're just putting it in a, in a structure that says, here's what we believe we need to do at Gateway Church. And you heard that over the last two weeks. But I want to say to you again, here's what it comes down to. There's still many that doubt. And we're called as a church to help them join the faith, to help them take a step. The next steps that we speak of is that we want to see everybody uh, being able to grow, seeing God's church grow, helping people develop an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, assisting them in finding freedom in every area of their life, stepping into baptism, equipping them to discover their purpose in God-given gifts, connecting in relationships, life groups, and uh, learning groups, whatever it takes for you to grow in your faith. Amen? I had somebody tell me this week, you know, I really would like to do like a marriage group, like a couples group, and I'd like to do some, you know, like we do a book and we walk through some of those steps and stuff, and I'm like, that would be great. Angie and I have a marriage seminar that we do. That'll be coming out on a calendar uh, where we'll be doing a marriage seminar here, and there's folks who have come through it. Can I get an amen if you've been through that before and enjoyed it? So a lot of people have been ministered to through that. But it's like a Friday night and a Saturday morning. And, you know, we, we do like a, a luncheon on the Saturday. And uh, it's something to kind of get it going. But it's not enough to, you know, to do everything that needs to be done in our marriages. And, and that's what that kind of a group would do. But working together as a church helps people to take the next steps to get healthier and healthier. And then encouraging them to, to make a difference in the life of others by giving of their time, talent, and treasure. Pastor Warren pointed that, that out so well about how our giving back, giving to one another, serving one another by giving of those three areas of our life, being like the Good Samaritan. You remember that whole thing about the story of the Good Samaritan was that you had um, a man having a conversation with Jesus and really what they're looking for, they're looking for the loophole. How do I, how do I get out of it? <laughs> it's like, well, who is my neighbor anyway, Jesus? He's like, well, there's a certain man who fell among thieves. And, you know, there was a priest walking down the road and he saw him, like, walks on the other side. And then a Levite, right, which a teacher of the word, and he sees him and stops and like, man, woo, that looks pretty bad. Whew, I think you're going to die, buddy. All right, well. But then there was a Samaritan. Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. And understand when Jesus is telling this story, this is a Jew, and these, the priest and the Levite are Jews, and they don't even give the care and attention to a fellow Jew, but a Samaritan, Jews and Samaritans, let's just say racism, they did not like each other. They had nothing to do with one another. And a Samaritan comes along and sees this man who fell among thieves and was beaten and basically within an inch of his life and he mends his wound he takes of his time first and foremost he takes of his talent he knew how to mend wounds and treat wounds he takes of oil and wine something that he possessed then he, he, he bandages his wounds puts him on his donkey provides his transportation things that belong to him he's using to help this guy takes him to an end to an inn and then says to the innkeeper hey keep him here let, it, let him recover. If, if he, if, if, when I come back from my business uh, dealings, uh, if there's more that I have to pay, then I'll, then I'll pay you when I return. Time, talent, treasure. You say time, training, treasure, however you want to do it, but I will tell you this. Jesus says, which one would you say was his neighbor? And of course, you know, Jesus telling stories the way he's told stories, it's kind of like, uh, I guess the guy that helped him 
Yeah, that'd be the one, right? Who would you consider your neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. You remember that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second command is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who would you consider to be your neighbor? Someone that showed you love. It'd be the one who took their time, took their talent, their training, their abilities, and used of their own treasure to minister to your needs. Can you say amen? See, a church full of members taking these steps leads to qualitative and quantitative growth in the kingdom of God. And this leads the, uh, the church to go further than the four walls of a geographical location or, or, or a building. You know that the, this building, even though we say, hey, I'm going to church. Anybody, I'm going to church today. You are the church today. The church came to a building and assemble. You're living stones, one set upon another to become a dwelling place. This is what the Bible says, a dwelling place for God in spirit. And when we're worshiping God or we're centered around his word and we're meditating on the things of God together in unity coming together, what happens is God begins to inhabit our congregation. His presence comes and speaks into our hearts. The life-giving ministry of our church is not something to only keep. It's something that we're called to share. It's something we're called to give to others. Anything living expands and grows. And that is exactly what God intended for his kingdom, for his family, was for it to grow. It's him that said, be fruitful and multiply, right? He wants his church to be fruitful and multiply Christians, disciples, leaders, pastors, life group, other churches. Why? So that more and more life can be brought to those who are on that broad pathway and they can enter that narrow way and receive eternal life and the abundant life. See, eternal life, but all eternity. But Jesus said that he came to give us life and life more abundantly. It's not, well, one day when I die, I'll get the, the abundant life. No, he gives us eternal life. But when we come to him, he means for us to have an abundant life while we live here on the earth. I didn't say an easy life. I said an abundant one. And we might go through stuff, but the beauty of it is, is we come through it. Because God, by his grace, brings us through it with strength. Amen? So why next steps? I want to give you three things out of that passage there where we see the Great Commission, verse 18 through 20. Uh, next steps because Jesus has given the church a mandate to follow. He's given us a mandate to follow. Is it, we didn't, I didn't die on the cross for you, so I don't get to give you the mandate. But I, I, I'm leading the church, and I'm pastoring, and, and, and I've read about it, and I know what Jesus said, so I get to, to tell you what he said. And you can go to your Bible, and you can read what he said, but I'm going to expound on it a little bit here this morning. And here's what it says. All authority has been given to me, that being Jesus, in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. There's your mandate. Jesus didn't go, stay there for. Receive me and then keep it to yourself. Go there for. All authority has been given to him. Go there for. So uh, a mandate to follow. To follow means this. Go or come after a person or a thing proceeding ahead. Jesus has gone before us to move or travel behind. Look, I'm following him. Paul the Apostle said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? So all I would say is, follow me as I follow Christ, right? You follow Christ and invite others to follow you as you follow Christ. And 
one day they grow to the place where we're like, I, I'm following Jesus. I, I don't even necessarily need somebody else to, to tell me where I need to go on that. Why? Because I've got a personal relationship with him and the Holy Spirit lives in me and he guides and teaches me and leads me into truth. Amen? Listen to what it says here in John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father sent him, he also sends us. Go, but understanding the going, he's the one that's sending you and he's sending you the same way the Father sent him. What is that with? All power, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore. Lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Go in the authority that I have because I've, I've been given all authority and you're a believer, you, you're following me, so I'm empowering you to carry my message to others who need me in their life. Amen? The second reason uh, that, that, that we need to recognize those next steps and take them is Jesus has given the church a mission to further. A mandate to follow and a, and a mission to further. Verse 19b, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to further help the progress or development of something or to promote. I don't know about you, but I want to promote Jesus because Jesus is the one. He's the one that transforms people. I can't transform a life. You can't transform a life, but the message that we carry is life-changing when a person receives from the Lord himself, that revelation, amen? Listen to Luke 10, 1 through 3. This is called the easy-to-read version. I really like this version. Lately, I've been reading a lot in it. And I understand that if you do deep study, you get a word-for-word -word translation, but this is trying to give us some meaning in our common language, okay? 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 All right. After this, the Lord chose 72 more followers. He sent them out in groups of two. He sent them ahead of him into every town and place where he planned to go. He said to them, there is such a big harvest of people to bring in, but there are only a few workers to help harvest them. God owns the harvest. Ask him to send more workers to help bring in his harvest. You can go now. Here's that go again. You can go now. Now it goes on and it actually says, I send you out like sheep among wolves. Thanks, Jesus. You know, it's like, you know, the Lord of the harvest. God's the Lord of the harvest. The, the harvest is his. He, he doesn't want anybody to perish, but all come to everlasting life. But it takes laborers. It takes people that will carry that message. You know, to answer the mandate, to be about the mission of Christ and to, and to carry that message to the world. And, and so praying the Lord of the harvest, what happens is, that's Isaiah again. Here I am, Lord. Send, you ever said, here I am, Lord, send me? Give me an amen if you've done that. Now, how, how many of you got God knocking on your door saying, hey, I'd like you to do this? You're like, well, I didn't mean that. Huh? You got me? I've had a few of those in my life, right? Here I am, Lord, send me. Well, Derek, you know, I'd like you to do this. I didn't mean that, Lord. Can we pick something else? It's like the guy who was uh, in Bible college and, you know, he was in his room and he was praying next to the, you know, the restroom because it was a dormitory. He's all knelt down. He's praying. He's pressing into God. He's just praying, God, where do you want me to go? I'll go anywhere. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And I just want to answer your call. And he's just crying out to God. And my life is yours. 
couple cruel Bible students that went to class with him. We're in the bathroom next to it, and there was a vent between the bathroom and that guy's dorm room. And one of them goes, Joe, go to Africa. Oh, Lord, Lord, you spoke to me. I was audible, Lord. And you know what Joe did? Joe went to Africa. Joe went to Africa. It's funny in some senses, but seems cruel. But Joe went to Africa, and what he did is won thousands and thousands of souls. Just go. Here's the thing. If you go and you, you, if you answer the mandate and you're about his mission, then another step in it is, is to recognize that Jesus has given the church a message to foster. Foster his message. It's not our message, it's his. Protect that, deliver it for what it is, that Jesus died on the cross because he loved every single human being in this earth. It doesn't matter your sins, it doesn't matter how far short you fall. It doesn't matter if you agree with everything that you think he says or, or disagree with things. The thing is, if you can come to agree with this, that Jesus came because he loved you and he gave his life in place of yours so that you could have eternal life, and you accept that fact, Jesus will help you on the journey figure those other things out. Can you say amen? No one went from being lost to saved, you know, uh, going their own way and then turning the Lord's way and giving their life. And it's like, you know, any of you guys just, you know, you had it all right overnight and she became the perfect saint? Nobody, right? We got to remember it's a journey that God has us on. And all we need to do is keep telling the same message that he delivered. Verse 20, right here, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. It's not what others are commanding. It's what did Jesus command? His commandment was this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Making a disciple, that's simply teaching them how to love God and how to love others. Amen? Foster, we want to foster that message. What does it mean to encourage or promote the development of something Typically, and this is perfectly fitting, typically something regarded as good news or good. Something regarded as good. And since the gospel, since the message of Christ is called the good news, the gospel, the good news, I think it's fitting that that definition from Webster comes out with, say, something that's good. Because there's nothing gooder. I'm messing with you. I know that's not a word. There's nothing better than the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen to what Romans 1.16 says. I refuse. Paul the Apostle says, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. Everyone who believes on the work of Christ, his shed blood washes your sins away. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He made a way for you to have eternal life. If we lose the message, we've lost the power that transforms people's lives, which is our mission and fulfills our mandate. We are called to go. Called to go. Not to stay, but called to go. And there's some folks that are here today. I'm going to be sharing a few other things about called to go. Um, but I want to do the baptism first 
because we got some folks taking a next step and they've answered that call from Christ to go or to come follow him, right? And go wherever he tells them to go. To honor him with their life. Baptism, simply put, is this. It's an outward profession of an inward faith is what the scripture tells us. It's, it, we are baptized in water for a good conscience or a clean conscience towards God. The water itself, trust me, this is well water. I'm just going to tell you the well water, you know, there's nothing special about it. It's the act of obedience when you look to God, when you look to Christ, and you're saying, I want to follow you. Why? Because it's symbolic. When you go in the water and you're immersed in the water, what happens is, is you're laying the old man down, burying him in a, in a watery grave, and coming up, the Bible says, out of baptism to walk in a new and a living way. And that, it's simply put, is just an act of obedience to follow Jesus and what he did himself. Jesus was baptized. And he commands, as I read out of Matthew 28, he commands us to be baptized. And so these folks are going to follow uh, Jesus in baptism today. And, and the beauty of it is this, it's that outward declaration before for everybody to see. Because here's what it comes down to. It's kind of like, hey, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. Now, you see, you see one another out in public. It's not like, oh, hey, you got baptized, didn't you? Why, you're messing up. What's going on with you? No, it's like, hey, man, you're, you're an encouragement that they continue to walk in the way of the Lord. Amen.